This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. The luxury, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it is for Ramya and myself to fill your living room kitchen with sound and visuals. Kelly McDonald here, Ramya Amuthan, my co-host. She's in the Toronto studio hanging out there. And what a great day out there in Toronto for you, Rum. Good afternoon. Yes, it is a great day. There's a nice dusting of snow on. How about you? Yeah. London got it yesterday, real pretty here. Um, I didn't go anywhere, so it was nice. I always love that feel. And, of course, as we always tease, what a great day to listen to an audio book or yeah. just settle back and watch sports. I know you say that all the time. Um, had a good weekend for that, too, actually. Uh, our London Lightning basketball team kicked off its season uh, with a couple of home games, so was there on Thursday and on Saturday enjoying basketball back in our community, so welcome back to those guys. But as you say, that, that walk in the right temperature, no wind, and some fluffy snow coming down, just mm -hmm. beautiful, isn't it? Finding a quiet neighborhood, even if you don't have, aren't privileged to have trails around you or a lot of green space, right. just finding quiet residential neighborhoods to walk around in. Uh, I have my dog that we go on walks together, but it, with or without, you know, just it's so quiet when the snow is on the ground. And I really love that with an audiobook in my ear. Well, I really like if, uh, and I grew up next to a, a bunch of woods that I could go for walks in, and when the snow would come down lightly, or if we'd had quite a fall of snow, I loved going in there because you'd hear it falling off the trees. Or as it fell, you could hear it land on your collar, hit yeah. your ear, and it just gave you that little fluffy sound. So when people talk about living in Canada, folks, that's one of the things. We may get the snow, but boy, is it ever a privilege when you have that uh, that falling and that quiet with that sound of snow and people say, because everybody will say, you really can't hear snow. Oh, yes. Yes, you can. There's times... It speaks loudly, right, sometimes. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at what we've got coming up on today's edition of Kelly and Rumya for you. The NFL, ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned it, a good football day yesterday and another good one on Saturday. They just concluded their division round matchups. What teams are moving on? Brock Richardson, he's here shortly to fill us in. Community reporter time. This time we're checking in with Ottawa, Ontario community reporter Kim Kilpatrick. She's talking about Winterlude in Ottawa, another festive, fun winter thing. So how does our government decide which celebration should be made statutory? Well, Danielle McLaughlin in uh, hour two of the program is going to dive into this topic on Know Your Rights. So we'll talk to her then later on in the program right here on Kelly and Ramya. So Ramya and I are working diligently. I'm rereading. She is reading for the first time our book of the month because we talk about it next week on the program. I'm actually rereading as well, Kels. Knife oh, I didn't think you read it yeah, before. Okay. I had. And I I remember some of your reactions to it the first time I was reading oh, it yeah. around. You're like, did you get to this part yet? It was really funny. Um, well, especially when he gets his knee hit. Yeah. Which is all messed right. up, folks. Creates horrible pain. And you just, you feel it. I, I You know, you grit your teeth and everything. I really can't mm. wait to get into this discussion because of all the description of physical pain throughout this book. Uh, it comes with its own anxiety. But yes, Misery by Stephen King. This was 
uh, recommended to us by Jacob Shymansky, and we're going to talk to him about it on the 31st of January. And it is available in human-narrated audio, three different narrators, human-narrated audio options on CELUS, the Centre for Equitable Library Access, and then, of course, on Audible as well. Misery Chastain was dead. This is a little bit about the book. Paul Sheldon, the main character, had just killed her with relief, with joy, and misery had made him rich. She was the heroine of a string of bestsellers, and now he wanted to get on to some real writing. That's when the car accident happened, and he woke up in pain uh, in a stranger's bed, but it wasn't a hospital. Annie Wilkes had pulled him from the wreckage, brought him to her remote mountain home, splinted and set his mangled legs. The good news was that Annie was a nurse and has pain-killing drugs, and the bad news was that she was Paul's number one fan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to this read, and Stephen King, of course, if you're a fan of any of his books, he's an incredible writer, so check it out. Join us on The Conversation next Tuesday. That's the last Tuesday of the month, the 31st of January this time around. Uh, if you want to give us your feedback, you can do that at kellyandramia at ami.ca. And you can also call us, 1-866-509-4545, with your message and review of the book. I'm always anxious when we read these books to hear your opinion, uh, Jacobs. I'm anxious because, you know, you and Shai, it's a total different time for you guys yeah. as readers of this book. Uh, you know, when when so much is talked about, uh, even down to little things, landline, telephones, all those things, I'm always interested because it's still modern, but not really part of your world where you start saying, well, it's why true. can't he do this? What? Oh, shoot. Yeah, they didn't have that then. Oh, or yeah. how is that possible? <laughs> so you catch yourself and some of the terminologies uh, as well. Uh, outdated it, it always language. fascinates me. A lot oh. of the language, especially disability related, um, but you know, so much of the language that actually physically makes me cringe to hear it, but you have to really put yourself in that time, that space, um, and I, I guess that prison of a situation he's in. Oh, my goodness. That um, medication, just the whole circumstances. And Ramya, crazy enough, using what he describes as outdated typewriter even in the story. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Outdated in, like I said, in the 80s, the book take, took, takes place. And, you know, it really it really gets to be fun, though. And I'm anxious very much for yourself, Shy, and I to talk about it. We'll step aside for a couple of few moments. Let's say a couple, folks, not a couple of few. And when we return, Apple made a couple of announcements. Just a couple? Yeah, right, plenty. Uh, Michael Babcock, he'll catch us up on that in just a few moments right here on the program. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. You know, you, as a broadcaster, settle back and say, okay, how'd I do today? Was today one of those sluggish days? Was, was, was I pretty spot on? What mistakes did I make? And you don't live in those mistakes. You just do your best to correct them. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. And Ramya, I have to say that probably for me, it's the Freudian slips of stuff, particularly people's names. Oh. <laughs> Last week, we brought Michael on the show, and we'll All get right. to him in a couple of moments here. And Danielle McLaughlin and I had been speaking about the passing of uh, David Onley. And um, when I threw to bring or to to mention that Michael was coming up next segment, I called him David. Mm -hmm. So when he got on, our good friend, of course, made that nice, pleasant little 
Jolt, it's David here, guys, like that. I thought, oh, Danielle, must have did a slip. <laughs> Pinned it on her. That's right, right off the bat, I was all set. McLaughlin, oh my good heavens. I checked later. <clears throat> so I have to say right off the top to Danielle and to Michael. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Kelly McDonald here with Rubio Muthin. All right. We uh, we get points for getting our own names right, Kels. So I think that there's some passes that we can give you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just keep saying it enough, right? Yeah, Say our names so. enough. It makes up for yeah. any of those slips. Yeah, especially if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're fighting with screen readers sometimes. But let's bring on Michael Babcock because he's here to give us tech news and updates every Monday. news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Rummy. Michael, it's nice to have you back on. Has anyone ever uh, called you David before this? David is a first for me. <laughs> okay. I can't understand why, but... What do you get called <laughs> often? I often get called Charlie. Uh, Mike and other things that can't go over the air. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But I meant name slips. Okay. I usually get called Charlie by mistake. What? Charlie? I have no idea why. I, I used to I used to be called Alex. When my mom would uh, yell at me, it would be, Michael, Alex, Babcock, get in here. Uh, <laughs> that also sounds understandable. But yeah, Charlie. Yeah, the distinctive mo mother calls. No, Charlie, I have no idea why. Yeah. Um, it happens. Mm-hmm. Happens. Okay, uh, David. Yeah, okay, David, <laughs> Michael Babcock. Um, let's talk about ChatGPT. Now, this is an ongoing discussion, okay? And then the more we, you know, use it, find out more about it, and especially start getting into inclusivity and accessibility for the blind, low-vision community, the ChatGPT is getting big reps. So let's talk about it. What is it? Yeah, so ChatGPT is a... Well, it's an amazing tool, but it's also a dangerous tool because things are not fact-checked with ChatGPT. So with its current iteration, ChatGPT is a tool that you can go to chat.openai.com slash chat in order to uh, get access to that tool. ChatGPT is a large language model that was developed by the nonprofit called OpenAI. It uses deep learning technology, and it captures information from text. A lot of times it's, well, for the most part, it was trained on uh, internet text, and uh, how it will respond to a wide range of different uh, questions. And one of the key innovations or biggest things that makes chat GPT stand apart from other tools is the fact that it can be context aware. So, for example, if you ask it a question, maybe something like, what is 1Password? And it gives you the response of what 1Password is. However, uh, if you decide to go on and ask, what's the cost of it, for example, and just ask that question, what's the cost of it, without saying what's the cost of 1Password, it's able to be contextually aware and let you know what the cost of 1Password is without you having to know it. Now, it is constantly being trained, and in its current iteration, chat gpt is only uh only has captured information they say through 2021 i don't know maybe it's leaked into 2022 now uh but but that's a quick overview of chat gpt 
Okay, so why should people be curious about it um, and investigate it? So it, it's a significant advance in what language processing can do and being able to process human language. Uh, it can be used for several different platforms um, and different use case scenarios. In addition, uh, it is a helpful tool for being able to come up with some research material. It's also helpful for being able to uh, put together a chat bot so that way you can uh, offer this to customers if you're in customer service and they can ask questions or they can share information with chat GPT. In addition, I think what's what's super important right now about chat GPT and why people should be curious about it is because this is the direction I think technology is going. Uh, we've had AI in a lot of our devices and this is the true iteration of AI. I'll give a real quick example of that before we move on. And uh, I was listening to one of my favorite tech shows, not my own, Daily Tech News <laughs> Show, and this was uh, put on by Tom Merritt. And Tom was talking about the fact that someone had created an iOS shortcut. And the beautiful thing about this is uh, if you want to turn your lights on or turn them up, for example, if they're adjustable, you could tell Siri, hey, uh, favorite smart assistant that I love and hate, uh, turn the lights up or turn the lights on. And that has to be more direct. If if you don't remember the exact command, then there is some problems and sometimes uh, Siri doesn't do what you expect it to do. However, what uh, uh, this person did is they created a shortcut that queries chat GPT whenever they send it a command. So the person said, hey, favorite smart assistant, it's a little dark in here. Can you do something about that? And then the chat GPT was smart enough to send back to Siri the fact that it needed to turn the lights nice. up without the person uh -huh. having to tell them to turn the lights up. Right. Without them having to correct themselves either by the sounds yep. of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Michael, so we know that ChatGPT is getting so much press and curiosity, but are there any alternatives at the moment to it? So ChatGPT is based on GPT-3, and uh, so there is obviously GPT-2. Um, that is a little bit older of a technology and is not as efficient as ChatGPT-3 is. Um, there is the Lambda. Um, Long-time listeners might know in Google I.O., Google talked about being able to ask specific questions about planets and then ask additional questions and stay in the same context. And Lambda from Google is a tool that can do that. Um, there is also some other natural language processing tools. Uh, Roberta is a acronym that I'm not going to try to pronounce or try to explain, but it, it's also an extension of the Lambda and GPT um, technologies that are available from Google and other uh, tools that are out there. And then, of course, there's some of the tools that uh, are, are being worked on, for example, from uh, not only Google, but there's uh, some universal language models that are being trained and then outsourced to different organizations to add to their uh, applications or development projects. Okay, so what are you using, uh, Chat uh, GPT? How how is your most common use of it? Okay, so my first most common use of it is I created my talking points for the show. 
Nice. So that oh. that's one way of using it. It worked. Uh, the other way that I'm using it is I I am a procrastinator. I if I don't want to do something or I don't have an answer or I know that it's going to take a while, I'm going to push that off. And that includes replying to emails that could be business opportunities or issues that are going on. So what I've started doing is grabbing emails and saying, hey, write me a response to this email that includes, yes, I'll do it. Give them the dates Wednesday through Friday from 12 to 2 that I'm available and encourage them to pick a time that works best for them and remind them that I use Zoom to communicate. The response that I get from chat GPT is never exactly what I would write. And anyone who has written me is like, Michael, that looks a little bit too sophisticated <laughs> for you. Are you sure you wrote that? Uh, but but it is a way GPT? that I am using chat GPT. And then lastly, I am using chat GPT. Uh, I've recently become a, a president of one of our local chapters of the of a national blindness organization here. And I'm using chat GPT to generate my uh, agenda and uh, if I have transcripts for podcasts or meetings, I can also drop those transcripts into ChatGPT and say, hey, create me some tweets to promote this content and also create me a summary so I can share it with people who are interested. Right. Yeah. Oh, I think I think that's the coolest part of it right there doing those. I mean, yes, uh, you know, writing an email or a response is tremendous as well and as people get using it, we will know. Uh, it's like it's an automated generated, you know, response. <laughs> we we will start kind of getting at least the idea, especially with Jeez, Michael, that's not you. But, uh, you know, Ramya, we have talked so much on the show about it that uh, everyone has their different and, and go-to, and I think that's the most interesting, go-to reasons to use it, mm -hmm. as well as beware. That warning's there. Well, I think that if you were to upload, you know, a chain of emails to ChatGPT and say, hey, bot, use this style of my writing to then create this email with this information that you then put in, Michael, I wonder if it would do a better job at sounding like you. Yeah, it probably would. And one of the things that I struggled with when I got started with ChatGPT, and and this could be a very deep topic that we should talk about, but do you say, generate me an email? Or do you say, please generate me an email? Yeah, like, do we need to be polite with our AIs? Is that the question? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I so, don't know. If it makes them perform better, maybe. But, like, oh, yeah, some always. of my assistants <laughs> just don't. Um, no. Michael, who may want to look, like we've labeled so many examples here, right? But who may want to mm -hmm. look into ChatGPT? I think people who are creating content, ChatGPT can help expedite that process, uh, especially if you already have content and you're just repurposing it. Also, maybe if you're a student looking to learn more about doing things. Now, don't take everything ChatGPT gives you as being the end-all be-all. ChatGPT uh, can be wrong. As we all know, the internet mm -hmm. can right. be yep. manipulated. So just be conscientious of that if you're using it uh, in your everyday. I, yeah, I think revise your work still comes into play here. <laughs> well, and my question about that is, I wonder if we can say, write something in the way, the style I would, unless it has actually reviewed the way you write. Exactly. Or does it collect that data when you tell it to do so? Because you're not necessarily, if you're just saying, use these components and form me an, an email. I wonder how that process works so that literally, eventually, it looks like the way you write, or will we adapt to the way it teaches us to write if we ask for a certain style? Kind of curious down the road what we will determine. What tools are growing on the platform, Michael? 
Yeah, to answer your question, Kelly, right now it does not build on what you have taught it, but uh, hopefully that'll be a feature coming in the future. Every time you initiate ChatGPT, it's like the first time you've ever talked to it. So right. I'm interested okay. to see how powerful this can be. Some tools that are on ChatGPT are uh, some some uh, individuals that are using it for live chat, for your customer service, and people who are looking to be able to, uh, as I said in the beginning of this segment, chat with their uh, personal assistants or virtual assistants using smart language like ChatGPT. Okay. Uh, Mike, well, we only have like a minute left. Do you want to give us a quick announcement that Apple made last week? Certainly. So Apple did a strange thing. Uh, they announced some technology on Tuesday and Wednesday with just press releases. They released a new MacBook Pro 14-inch and 16-inch. They also released a new Mac Mini, both of which have the M2 and M2 Pros uh, processors in them. And then they released some new HomePods. Well, a new HomePod that I'm interested at. Mm. Oh, okay. Multiple HomePods? I'm curious well, one, one HomePod. They, oh, they re-released okay. the new big HomePod. Got so it. now there's not just the HomePod mini. Okay, got it. Yeah, I didn't even realize yeah. there was more than one type, size of HomePod, but that's nice. <laughs> the one I have is gigantic. Uh, we're going to leave the AirPod stuff on the table, but we'll bring it back next week because it's really good info. Good tips. Sounds like a plan. Have a great show. Thank you. Michael Babcock joining us on Mondays for a Tech Talk, and we cover a lot of different things uh, today, a lot of chat GPT. Oh, really, really cool. Always fun and lots to think about with this thing, I've noticed. We step aside for about two minutes, folks. When we return, the NFL just concluded their division round matchups. What teams are moving on? Brock Richardson, he'll be here momentarily to fill us in. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Welcome back to the program. Kelly McDonald here in the London, Ontario home studio behind me. Got uh, a pillar on one side and the CN Tower with the backdrop of Toronto skyline filling in the background. Ramya Muth and she's at the studio in Toronto hanging out there. And now, folks, it's time to get a sports update. We do this once a week on the program when we invite Brock Richardson to join us from the neutral zone. I'm Brock Richardson and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. Welcome back, Brock. Nice to have you on the program as usual. Hope your day is, uh, well, as busy as Mondays are for you. Yes, Mondays is my favorite day of the week, but is my busiest day at the same time. So always love Mondays. And this is my middle stop of the three things wow. forward to chatting with you guys and uh, we got some good conversations ahead nice to hear that Ramya when someone says their busiest work day is their, their favorite, favorite day of the week yeah wow. that's nice nice you must really enjoy especially when they're a Monday sports. contributor on our show it's really nice yes we're part of that uh, cool hey. Brock what's your lead off items today uh, well, I've got two for you. And the first, we don't tend to do this where we delve into something really sort of deep, but we're going to throw something at the audience today. Philadelphia Flyers defenseman uh, Ivan Provorov uh, did not take part in a pregame skate recently because he refused to wear the team's LGBTQ plus two 
Pride Night warm-up, citing Jersey, citing that he, this does not align with his religious beliefs. Now, where I want to go with this, guys, is basically to say that we tend to hold athletes on a different scale. And I'm curious to know what you guys think, where we draw the line between, you know, my personal views versus my essential employer and what you you guys think on this. Rami, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm doing that in real time right now. Like as you're talking about his personal beliefs and then me initially going, wow, that's kind of rude and disrespectful. But then saying, okay, but hold up. Is that too rash? You know, people are entitled to their own beliefs, their own opinions. Um, we might not agree with them. We might think that it's not necessarily fair that they don't support but at the end of the day absolutely freedom of expression we're going to talk about that later in the show so um 100 we collide and you know the more we look up to because you're right we put people on a pedestal influencers athletes entertainers famous people uh we put them on pedestals and then we love them and um they we pay for them or we, you know, take part in the entertainment that they provide for us. And so sometimes we don't separate them and their beliefs from us and our belief. Yeah. So you you have a, events when you're part of a sports team and a lot of things are, 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 are involving kids, marginalized communities. Um, and when you get into a person's religion, or something, we respect that. I mean, at work, you don't put on the end of your emails as part of your, your nameplate, um, you know, God bless you or any of anything like that. That doesn't mean that you don't believe, that you disrespect, but you have to take into account others who may have other religious beliefs and other or, or, or none. Um, they're your coworkers, it's a work environment, and everybody has to be taken into account. However, you have a job to execute. So, when you have somebody like this, they're in a position for us to know they said, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. Whereas somebody at AMI, that they have a right to their privacy. So I have a problem sometimes because when you're a public figure, the, if there was a HR department, the rules would be have to be different. And in yeah. this case, well, he doesn't want to take part in the skate. Well, you know, they would say, well, that's his right. He doesn't have to. And, and no matter what the beliefs are or whatever... But, of course, the media is going to say, so why weren't you out there for the skate? We hear tell. And they did. And he told the media, I don't wish to speak about it. I don't right. wish to speak about it. I don't yeah. wish to, Brock. And, and so I, I find think, it tough. Yeah. I, I This is a tough one because most of the time when we're talking about a pro athlete, we're talking about supporting um, underprivileged, marginalized communities. We're talking about things that basically everybody around can get around and say, this is, we support this. We, we, we we're going to get behind this. We're going to support it because as a unit, kids need help as the whatever. team, but because mm -hmm. it's not as part the, of their job. It's it, the team's decision to support. Yeah. Right. And so they usually pick the easy sort of things to say, well, we're going to support this as a team, and most athletes go, yeah, okay, I can get behind that, and this is no problem. When we talk about LGBTQ plus two, there is so much divide. You're either on one side, on the other, or somewhere in the middle. And if your belief is one way or the other, 
you have to take a stand and say this is the way I believe. And and the fact is, I think we are as a society entitled to say this is what we're allowed to do, not allowed to do, etc. But the problem is when you do that and you're an athlete, it's like now you're going to get asked yeah. by, the, by the media and you're going to they're like you pointed well, out right away you're going to be asked about it. My question is, though, you know, going back to exactly what you explained, the team picks together the initiative that they want to support. So isn't it no, kind of... No, they don't, though. Well, they should, that, then, is what I'm upper saying. Upper management because, does. Right. But what I'm saying is because in this scenario, it's been chosen, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was chosen that they're going to support this initiative. And then he comes out and says, actually, uh, I'm not. Bye. Right? And that's not... And now he sticks out like a sore thumb. But if it was yeah. done differently, where everyone can get on board with an initiative that they all wanted to support full-heartedly, then you're not really stuck out there, A, maybe be taking part in a discussion that you weren't prepared to take part in, right? Like, maybe he wasn't ready for this kind of attention. And now he has to get out there and say, well, my religious beliefs, and I don't really want to. So, you know, he is put in a tough position, if you ask me. Well, yeah, the, the you're other. stuck out there because everybody, seemingly in this case, is supposed to participate. Exactly, Whereas or like, why are aren't you and things. everybody else is? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and when you do events like in baseball, someone's throwing a first pitch in representation, uh, you know, you, you have the people involved that wish to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, that I just want to put out there just for the audience and for the full scope of things, when NHL teams decide to do this as an ownership these things are put on your schedule well in advance of the thing we're supporting. So in this case, LGBTQ plus two, we don't know when the athlete came to the organization and said, look, I'm not comfortable doing this. Mm. This is it. We only know of it now because it came to be the day has come. The day has passed all those things, but we don't know when the initial conversation came to and it was said, well, this is what's going to be. We're only hearing about it now because it's come, it's gone, it's in the news, it's all that, and we're having conversations. If I'm an athlete and I'm not comfortable with something my organization is doing, I'm not going to the media on the day of the thing and saying, I'm not doing this and here's why. I'm going and I'm talking to them as organization and giving them a chance to tell me what they want to do and so i don't want to put i ivan in a situation where it's like he came out in the end and said what he said because that may not be true in this case right and it well, wasn't there's dealt a lot with beforehand of- well, and there's a lot of events that go on. We know the NHL, Major League Baseball, they're all going to be doing these events. They've been doing them for years. What the player may not know is when they don't, they're busy focused on hockey. They barely know it's it's Monday versus, versus Sunday. And I think it's the format you choose. You want the team to participate. You want the team to do something. But maybe you need to account for the fact that you can't make it compulsory that everybody's got to be on the ice for the skate for this or this is the time we're going to do it because everyone's on the Maybe those are other things. Most people, whether they're into it or not, would just go along and say it's out of respect. It's whatever they, you know, but some people are going to feel, no, I'm sorry. This goes against my views, my religion. And I think we have to leave room for for people to feel that way, whether we agree or not, um, or or take it as, well, that's offensive. Wow. And I think where the media sees this person, starts asking the questions, 
I think that's a little tactless on our part. We know, obviously, mm -hmm. they, they're not yeah. comfortable with it for whatever their reason. And I don't think I would want as a person to bring someone on this show and say, so why weren't you doing that? Well, and have them say something that maybe moments later I'm like, well, oh my gosh, what did I open? When you back people into a corner, right, you end up in that situation where they're like, well, now I have to fight for my expression. But let's put a pin yeah. in that and keep going because there's a couple different things we want to talk about. Um, what is the Athletes' Council? Tell us a bit about this, Brock. Yes, so the Canadian Paralympic Committee announced uh, recently that they were uh, putting together a new Athletes' Council and they added Amy Burke, who is a goalball athlete, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Hall, who is a para-rowing athlete, and Tyler McGregor, para-ice hockey, and Abby Turtip, Tur who is para-swimmer. And these members are now part of the council uh, for four years. And so what this council does is it kind of holds the Canadian Paralympic Committee as a whole accountable for the things that they do and don't do. Okay. Well, it's interesting when you look at this, and this is great to, you know, to have a council like this put into place. So what? Uh, tell us why it's so important to implement this council. Uh, quite frankly, it's important because it's to keep, and I'm speaking about this as the Canadian Paralympic Committee uh, Athletes Council. There are many out there, but in this case, the Canadian Paralympic Committee, it's to keep the organization accountable. It's to keep them on their toes and aware of what's going on because there's a lot of organizations that don't have uh, full representation of the community. And so this allows them to have the representation. And the chair of the board is uh, uh, was Tony uh, Walby, and uh, he sits on both uh, the Athletes Council and the Canadian Paralymp Paralympic Committee Board of Directors. And this is so that there's that filter between one and the other. There mm -hmm. will be a new chair named between uh, those athletes and the ones that remain because they're kind of there's there's half on a four year term and another mm -hmm. half on a four year okay. term so that there's not an ex you know, an extreme changeover. But these are the ones that are going in now. Okay, we'll skip down, sir, to your football. Uh, it's really wonderful. Glad to, we'll have to get into this a bit more. But this past weekend, we had some finalization in football games. Four teams left. Yes. Uh, so what a what a great weekend it was. We mm -hmm. now see the San Francisco 49ers versus the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Very, very compelling matchups for a lot of reasons. I really like uh, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, Brock Purdy, who is a rookie quarterback who hasn't looked like a rookie quarterback and really been playing up to above his potential because he's just just young and he's coming. And a lot of people question, what will he be? The other um, final will be uh, Philadelphia versus Kansas City. Now, the big question going into this week is what will Kansas City be with their uh, quarterback who is injured in Patrick Mahomes with a high ankle sprain? He's done this before. He's played through it. But who knows what the case will be this coming week? Yeah, okay. That ankle's been really tough for him, man. It really has. Uh, Brock, what's coming up on the neutral zone quickly? Uh, yes. So we're going to have... Uh, 
Tony Wal Walby, who's going to be joining us and discussing more in depth as a real time member of the board that we spoke about. And he's going to give us some in-depth look at what are some of the hot button issues of the Canadian Paralympic Committee. Fantastic. Brock Richardson hits us with the latest sports updates on Mondays right here on Kelly and Rumya. But remember, as he just teed up, remember to check him and the gang out on the Neutral Zone, 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, also available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. We will take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Scott joins us to preview upcoming Double Tap TV episodes ahead. Stick around. He'll be here momentarily. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. the pulse this thursday at 1 30 p.m eastern on ami audio 10 30 in the morning out there in vancouver pacific time of course this week joita discusses as i live and breathe a new book of short stories about the experiences of youth with disabilities her guests on the program author lexan jang and dolly medevac Youth Engagement uh, Lead at Holland Bloorview. So uh, it's going to be a tremendous conversation with them on the show. That is The Pulse. This Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific over on AMI-audio. Of course, you can also find it on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Kelly McDonald, we're hanging out here uh, with Kelly and Rumya on the program. Thank you for being with us. You know, if we start counting, adding up uh, the number of narrators and authors that... Joita features on The Pulse, and then My Life in Books with Red Sales, and then some of the audiobook conversations oh we have every goodness, week yeah. on AMI Audiobook Review, and then the Chatty Bookshelf. There's a lot of audiobook chat on AMI Audio, which is fantastic. And something manager Andy Frank had heard listeners wanted, yes. and they really yeah. have Actual risen feedback. to the occasion, so congratulations mm -hmm. to all. So much audiobook talk. And then what else do we have on the uh, channel a lot is A lot tech. of tech. So mm -hmm. much technology because it's never ending. I, I will quote Michael when he says, this is the direction we're heading in. All tech, everything. So let's talk about Double Tap TV, one of the big primary tech shows on the channel, airing Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. And this is the show where hosts Stephen Scott and Marco Falalo talk every single thing tech. And Stephen Scott is joining us now to preview some upcoming things, talk a little bit about the past CES and every everything else we can think of. Stephen, welcome to Kelly and Romeo. Hey, it's nice to be here, guys. It's lovely here. It's, it's beautiful in here. I was going to say it's TV, it's new, but you're used to it now. I, I am getting there. Yeah. I am getting there. It's not as... as I'm not as glamorous as you guys, but I, I do my best. Oh, we're like, we're so glamorous <laughs> out here. Are, uh, what are you getting used to? Is it posture? Is it just knowing to be camera aware? What is it? Do you know, the good thing is my vision is at a level where I can't even tell where the camera is. That's a good so thing. I'm just kind of aiming my head in a general direction. Okay. I like it. This is tips, you know, it's tips for all of us well, blind low vision people. I think that's what all of us yeah. seem to do, just yeah. like, it's over that way. Okay, is my chin up enough? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I will say to, to your wonderful people who are running this show, I can hear myself clearly coming back, which is a little bit off-putting, but we can go with it. Okay, you're hearing yourself echo. Hopefully we can get that fixed, Stephen. Um, 
Do you make New Year's resolutions, Stephen? No, no. Um, it's a bit like a religion. I gave up for Lent. It's like a reminder, isn't it, Stephen? It's like, oh, boy, I keep track of those things. Yeah. That's why I don't make the promises. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I would like to say I'd like to lose weight. It is not going to happen. Um, I have to say um, I've decided this year I've decided to get fat uh, because I think that's easier. Yeah. Well, and if you convince yourself you're going to do that, then you have to work yeah. at it, which might mean it won't work because... You know, well, then the second right. thing is, you know, I don't like work, so uh, no, I won't do it. Um, <laughs> you want to look back at some of your favorite announcements because we know you love talking tech. And we know if we keep carrying on, we'll be in the last two minutes and say, oh, by the way, Stephen, the second thing we wanted to ask you about, uh, give us some of your yeah. favorite announcements from the Consumer <laughs> Electronics Show this year. Uh, well, I've got to mention one because there was a lot of announcements and there were a lot of great products out there, especially in the blindness category. Actually, quite unusual. There was a lot of products there this time. However, one that really stood out for me was a product called Celeste. Now, this is from a Canadian company. And if we imagine, if, and you guys have talked about it already on the show, I'm sure, Envision glasses. Mm -hmm. These mm -hmm. smart glasses you put on your head and they enable you to get information. So, for example, it can scan text. It can uh, detect faces. It can even detect scenes around you. So how many people are in front of me in a room, that kind of thing. Um, where is my mug? Where is my, you know, glasses? Where is my phone? It can identify all that stuff, and it's really cool. Well, Celeste is a brand new version of that, and it's coming out this year, and it should be quite interesting. Slightly different design. It's not using the Google Glass that Envision used. They've got a new design, and I'm really keen to find out more about this. We're hoping to get them on the show soon. But this is good because the cost is much lower. And, you know, the entry point for something like Envision at the moment is something like two, $3,000, which is a lot mm -hmm. of money. Yeah. Not for yep. you guys, obviously. You're on TV money. Oh, I was no. talking about other people. Yeah. Yeah. For the commoners. But, you um, know, for everyone else. Stephen, why do you think there's so much out there now more geared towards... The disability community, I'll say, you know, we, we're always happy Oh, and probably focus the most on stuff for, for low vision and blind. But what, what's going on there? And, and again, this isn't a complaint. It's a wonderful query. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there is so much tech out there. You're right, not just for blindness, but for disability in general. And I think the reason for that is because, thankfully, companies now are realizing that we have money to spend and there are problems that we could have solved by having technology that could help us to do it and actually implementing technology which is in a lot of ways built for everybody but actually something that can now be built and can benefit disabled people mm -hmm. i guess more generally so this is good mm. i had to ask mm. this question because you mentioned envision glasses and this other thing coming out and we know about ira glasses being a hit for a while is mm. there such thing as too much? Like, obviously, when we start making comparisons, there are reasons to buy one thing over another or to focus on one thing over another, especially with changing te technology. But, uh, like, Kelly and I, over one of these breaks, we're talking about, you know, do we have the Google Home, the Echo, or the uh, Apple, the HomePod, uh, or anything else similar in our homes? And wondering, do you have a perspective on this? Is there a, this is, there's too much out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I liken it to jam. I don't know if you guys have this problem, but I, I'm a big fan of strawberry jam. And and I go into a Black store and there's like 8,000 types of jam. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's too yeah. much. And it's yeah. getting that way with tech as well. I mean, it's a slight weird analogy, I know. But the, the whole thing here is that there is a lot of choice out there. 
And that's mm -hmm. not necessarily a bad thing because it keeps all these tech companies on their toes, right? But I think when it comes to the disability space, there probably isn't as much choice and hence why the costs are so high for a lot right. of the technology. And also it's a niche product in a lot of ways. So you're not going to get the buy-in that you'll get on other, you know, on other mainstream products. Yeah. Is it possible that companies are also learning that what we make for those low vision and blind folks, other people who are aging now are starting to use. So no longer are they just saying, we've got to make that for Stephen Scott because he's made this commitment to lose weight this year or to put weight on. So we need yep. to make that commitment to only that person where now we're saying, we need to make a commitment to those as they get older and their bodies slow down, they get bigger or they lose their vision or whatever we're saying, they lose their vision, we'll <laughs> stick with. Um, I wonder if that's become more of a sweeping viewpoint that they have that it's no longer just Stephen Kelly and Ramya who need this. Well, that's true. And look, let's be honest about this. Companies need to make money. And mm -hmm. there's no point making a product that serves two or three people in the in the world. It has to serve That's a number right. of people. And it's interesting. A friend of mine once had a, an idea for a smartphone that was not not a smartphone, but more of a kind of a Nokia style device, and it had some you know unique features in it that could help people who were blind. And he took it to a carrier, mm -hmm. and the carrier said, "Okay, how many units do you think you'll sell?" And he said, "Well, we think with the blind market, we can get this amount of a market share." And they said, no, thanks. Mm. So instead, he went back a few years later and he said, well, I've got this great idea of a you know different manager, I think. He got in front of the guy and said, listen, I've got this great idea. It can serve this whole demographic of elderly people, of people who have difficulty with modern smartphones, and of course, blind and disabled people. Yeah. What's the market share? Much bigger. And yes. then they were interested. So that's what it's about. You know, at the end of the day for these companies, it's about money. Yeah. It is about money, and that's why we are always asking this question, right? Like specialized products or mainstream products that can uh, utilize features for the, or cater features towards the, the niche communities, like the blind low vision community, other disabled communities, you know, because as we, as the iPhone starts doing this and that, and the Android phones and the Google Pixel and everything is able to, do we need to turn to niche products anymore or as much as right. we used to? Because our money's going to go somewhere anyway. Yep, it's been rolled into one. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because there's only one category I think stands out for me on that, and that's Braille. Exactly. Because yeah. I don't think there's any way you can really make that a mainstream product. I mean, unless a company comes along and makes a tablet that you can feel the dots through haptic feed, feedback. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, mm -hmm. to be honest. But even then, so there's I, Braille. I think Braille is more example. accessible to those who need it in a cheaper form. I think there we go back to your, yeah. your, your electronic and cheaper form that people can take anywhere in portability. Yeah. And I, I want to say, like, Apple adding Braille screen input onto the iPhones um, still, yeah. you know, manages Braille to some extent, which is kind of cruel. And it well, still right. promotes that's the use of it, right? You know, as opposed to, it's sort of the difference of writing or printing for those who yeah. handle it easier. What's coming up on Double Tap in the next little while, sir? So we have a few things to talk about. Uh, we have a CES special coming up tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, of course, on AMI-TV. It's an hour long, and we're going to be talking to lots of different companies who've been featured at CES this year. That's, of course, the Consumer Electronics Show. It's held annually in Las Vegas, and it's a fantastic opportunity to learn about not just the technology of today, but the technology of tomorrow, what's next in terms of the big themes. 
This year, it's all about artificial intelligence, and it's all about security and privacy of our data. So that's an interesting bunch of topics in there. And how does accessibility fit into all that? Well, we'll try and give you the answer to that on tomorrow's show, Tuesday night. I also want to mention that we're going on the roads. We're traveling. Tell us more about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, So we're off to Vienna. Oh. And I will be donning, uh, I believe, some kind of Sound of Music type outfit somewhere. I think Marco (laughs) Flavio's got some ideas. Uh, but I am going to be going off to Austria uh, along with Mark. We're going to be doing some Double Tap TV out there uh, from the United Nations building, all part of the Zero Project, which is like the Academy Awards of Accessibility. This is a place where people are come together every year and they promote the wonderful work that is going on around the world around accessibility. Now, this can be nice. in many different areas. We're going to be focusing on tech, obviously. But this is what it's all about. So we get the opportunity to talk to some really interesting people and learn all about the work that they're doing and really give us a bit of an international flavor to the show. So we'll be there. Uh, We'll be doing Double Tap on the radio, on AMI-audio live, uh, Mm -hmm. three days at the United Nations building. And we'll be filming two special, maybe even three, special AMI-TV episodes uh, of Double Tap as well. Okay. That sounds very, very exciting. Oh, um, do nice. you are you anticipating anything specific from the uh, Zero Project um, live remotes, or you're just you're going to take it all in when you get there? A little bit of of that, of course, yeah. But I think one of the things we're looking for are stories that may seem a little bit obvious to us, but when you start looking around the world and you start seeing the projects where, for example, someone has found a way in Africa to you know make their buses accessible through GPS. Mm-hmm. When you live in a large city like Toronto or Vancouver, that might be something you come to expect. But if you live in somewhere in Africa, you may not expect that. How is that possible? How have they done that? Yeah. No, Stephen, it's going to be really great, um, especially with you guys, because you already are so tapped into uh, technology, but also just the comparisons as this example, right? Talking about what we have available to us all the time and what we're used to and we're even demanding. Um, And then other parts of the world, they're just getting, you know, snippets of that as we speak. So Just getting started. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then there's so many other, um, you know, background and reasons behind all that like the finance and you know how many people do they cater to and what's the community already look like uh thank you so much thanks for joining us and looking forward to tomorrow's special on ces as well yeah i'm looking forward to uh don't forget we're on double tap on ami audio every day as well like to throw that in and uh you guys are doing great on this i'm so jealous you don't have to be jealous (laughs) you'll join us all the time before you know it, you'll be... I love it. Oh, we've already declining. got plans and work for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Oh, not work. I've got enough work to do. I'm trying to put weight on. <laughs> oh, work. All right, see ya. Double Tap TV airs 8 p.m. on Tuesdays on AMI-TV with Stephen Scott and Mark Flalo. In the next hour, Mark Rankin, uh, he's going to debrief us on his consultation work. Danielle McLaughlin is here with Know Your Rights. But up next, we have community reporter Kim Kilpatrick joining us to talk about Winterlude. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.